this morning? Now, I got to tell you this morning, I'm going to use a lot of the Bible. Sound good? And so you may want to take notes. You may want to, in your phone, keep track, because some of these scriptures, you may want to go back during the week and look at these, because we're going to go over several. And I mentioned to you last week, as we were jumping into this topic of miracles, that is a theme for us, not just for this sermon series, but for the year, that... um, I'm going to take some time to do some teaching with this. So I'm going to give you some scriptures so that we're building foundations and putting blocks in place for us in the realm of this topic of miracles. And so I'm going to open up with Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It says, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today. And Lord, we thank you for your ability to speak to every single one of us. I thank you that every person in this room matters so much to you. And I thank you that you are capable of speaking to every one of us right where we are in our lives because you've been speaking to your creation for so long, Lord God. You're so good at it. So, Lord, we open up our hearts to hear your word. I pray for the empowerment, the leading of your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, let me share what's in your heart today, the authority of your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So in this new series that we're... um, we're talking about with miracles. I told you that I've been keeping a list in my phone of uh, different miracles that I'm praying for, and I've just been dating them, and my list is getting longer. And um, I'm thankful for it because I'm uh, excited about the things that God is doing. And I'm already seeing some answers to prayer that I'll share with you in the coming weeks. And I'm just like, God, you are just so good. And I just want to encourage you. There's, there isn't a prayer that's, that's, that's too great for God. There's nothing that's too great for God. Sometimes we don't want to ask because we think, well, that's silly. Well, why not just ask? Why not just go before God and just say what's in your heart and your mind and just ask? Amen. So we should ask and ask and ask again. We started last week with the why, and I, I took you to Genesis chapter 1, and I talked to you about how God put Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden called Eden, and his heart's desire was to take his kingdom uh, of e- in Eden and the expression of it and to spread it throughout the world and to say, hey, take dominion over, the, over this whole earth and extend the beauty of my kingdom with your creativity and with your ability that, that God has put inside of you. And it's kind of the reason why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is because God uses his followers, his agents, his disciples as people to extend his kingdom here on earth. We also talked last week about God's motivation. That God isn't just trying to prove something to the universe, but actually his motivation is that he deeply and sincerely loves us and loves humanity and has been working to redeem and to call back and to draw back to himself uh, his creation. And it, it talks about in Matthew 9, it talks about how Jesus had compassion on the people when he was healing their diseases and sicknesses, that his motivation was a heart for people. He wasn't just trying to prove something, but he was showing his love in a real tangible way. 
Last week, we, we looked at the story specifically of the paralytic who was brought to Jesus in the midst of a teaching where he's in a house and it, the house is full and these four friends are carrying a paralytic on his mat and how they lowered this paralytic through the roof and, and uh, they're this picture of how much they love this friend of theirs and they're bringing this friend to Jesus, which is a great picture for us of bringing people we care before God because he has so many more answers for people than we have even in our own strength and our own self. And how he looked at their faith and he responded to their faith and to their love for their friend and he heals this paralytic and he gets up. And uh, in that scripture of Luke chapter 5, when we were talking about that story, I highlighted a verse for you, and um, it was in this portion where it says, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And I'd like to do just a little uh, theology lesson with us. It's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. A lot of times when we're reading the Bible... You know, we know that Jesus is the star and the superhero, right? Like, we're, we're excited. We know he's going to do great things. Every time Jesus comes up, we just know good things are going to happen, right? One of the things that, um, because we know that Jesus is very God and that he's very human and that he took humanity on, we sometimes can forget how human he is because we see all the God powers working in him. Does that make sense to you? And so... But the reality is in Scripture, when we look into it, did you know that when Jesus took on humanity, when he stepped out of heaven and out of eternity and took on humanity, that he set aside his God powers of like omniscience and omnipresence and and, uh, omnipotence. Like he set those aside. Now, he wasn't any less God, but he wasn't operating in those because... In Acts 10.37, you can read about it. It says this. It says, You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in in Galilee, after the baptism of John was preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. I'm just going to pause for that. If Jesus was, and there's there's a scripture in Philippians that talks about how he set these God powers aside. We see here in the scripture, it says that God anointed Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what he was doing was in his humanity, he was showing us how to be full of the Holy Spirit and walk in the Holy Spirit's power. Are you following me this morning? It says that he, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so it's kind of a bit of ironic. He sets aside his God powers and then is empowered by the Holy Spirit to do miracles. The reason that's important is because Jesus is our example of how he brought the kingdom from, uh, of heaven here on earth. And he's raising disciples to say, I want you to go do the same thing by the power of the Holy Spirit. You follow me this morning? And so he's showing us this way. Now, don't get me wrong. Like Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in all of his glory, and he is completely God. And this mystery of the the Trinity of three and one. And so we're not taking anything away from him but to truly experience humanity and walk in humanity he did this for us to show us how it works because he had the whole world in his heart when he came and gave his life up on the cross for us 
And he wants us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even, he shows how this works even because he begins when he's in his earthly ministry and he's doing the healing and he's doing the delivering of evil spirits and he's multiplying food and all the things that he's doing. He began to show how he wants to, this to work and how he wants the same to operate in others. We're going to look in Mark chapter 6. We go there with me this morning? Mark chapter 6. It says, calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any... if And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 12 says, They went out and preached to the people that they should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Isn't that pretty wild? So he takes these 12 and he says, Okay, you guys have been watching me do this. And I want you to guys, you guys to go out two by two, and I'm going to give you authority is what the scripture says, and that's going to be the topic of, of uh, part three next week, authority. He gives them authority. Now think about that. Jesus is giving his disciples this authority and says, now I want you to go do what you have seen me do. Can you imagine that first time out? I would have been like, I don't know about you, I've been like, man, I wish Jesus was with me. And, you know, we're, you're just coaching each other up like he said he gave us authority and we're just going to do what he showed us to do. And they began to preach that people should repent. That word repent means change your mind or change the seat of your conscience to change the way that you're thinking and the way that you approach life. And we do that all the time here. We say, hey, if life is not working in your own hands and if doing life your way isn't working, you should change your mind. You should change the seat of your conscience and turn to God and say, God, I want to do life your way and follow after you. And they would go out and they would preach, you should change your mind. You should change the way that you're thinking. And they would follow that with miracles, with people being driven, uh, or demons being driven out of people. Now, sometimes we'll read the Bible and we'll go, well, that's pretty cool. But, you know, that's kind of like the top 12, right? Like that's the disciples, right? It's like they're kind of special. They would later, a lot of them write scripture, you know, and like, I don't know. You know, is that really for everyone? But here's the thing. Later on in Luke chapter 10, we see him do the same thing with 72 people, and we don't know any of their names. The exact same thing. So this idea of he wants to empower people to do the work of his kingdom is is a model that he was creating very very intentionally do you know i don't say this to put pressure on you i hope you hear hear this uh from my heart correctly do you know that there may be people at your work that god wants to use you to bring his miracle into their life you might actually be the conduit for god's miracle in somebody's life In your workplace, or in your neighborhood, or in your family. Like you could actually, now I gotta tell you, here's the thing. One of the best parts about that is the front row seat. 
Because you're there and you get to watch what God is doing and see his power and his authority touch somebody's life. To me, there's very few things as exciting as watching God work in somebody else's life. It's actually a real privilege. It's not some weird pressure that he's trying to put you in. He's actually trying to call you into a place where he puts authority and grace and empowerment of his spirit in your life because he loves people. And he wants to transform their lives and have a relationship with them. Can I hear an amen this morning? That I'm going to leap forward in Scripture with you because I want to show you a little bit about how this works. What's beautiful about the Scripture that we just looked at is it shows Jesus simply sending them out. And their results were amazing. I mean, they came back and they're like, man, I mean, like all this amazing stuff's happening. And Jesus is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? Like he's excited for them. But here we are, and we're, we're here today, and I'm telling you that this is for you. What I want to do is I want to leap forward in Scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, that book of 1 Corinthians, was written a few decades later. This is after Jesus has ascended into heaven, and the, and the um, apostles have gone out and preached the gospel, and there have been churches started, and they've got a church happening in Corinth. And this church in Corinth is one of these Holy Ghost churches. I mean, they are just known for people prophesying. Some are probably prophesying. I mean, there's miracles happening. There's tongues happening. There's too many tongues happening. I mean, it is just kind of crazy, crazy in their services. And um, they've got some issues with some competitiveness because the funny thing is God will love his people, pour out his spirit on people, and they will still act like bad people and treat each other poorly. And this is that church. This is that church that has got the Holy Ghost, and they are rocking and rolling, and they need to mature some. And so Paul's just kind of writing. I'm going, are y'all, like, the funny thing is, after this 1 Corinthians 12, where he's talking about these spirit, these spiritual gifts and things, the very next chapter is like, now y'all, you need to love each other. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that, that scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Love is patient, and love is kind. I mean, it's just... He's like, y'all need to love each other. And then he jumps right back into prophesying in tongues. He just, he's, he's trying to help people say, hey, you can have the Holy Spirit, but you, you need to be transformed as well. So 1 Corinthians 12 is where Paul basically, he says, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. I want you to be knowledgeable about how the Holy Spirit gifts work in your life. And it actually begins to lay some of that out. And so, again, the reason I'm laying this out to you this morning is... God is a miracle-working God, amen? He likes to empower his followers with the Holy Spirit to go and do miracles. Oh, missed your opportunity. Let me say it again. He likes to empower his followers with the Holy Spirit to go and do miracles. Right? He likes to work through us. And see, for the Lord, it's a win-win. He's working in you and he's working in them. It's a privilege to participate. And here's the thing. I, I have to say this. You do miracles in his name. You don't do miracles in his name. It doesn't make you any more or less a son or daughter of the Lord if you've chosen to follow Jesus. Your identity doesn't become more special because you did miracles or didn't do miracles. It's really not about that. It's about capturing what's in his heart and going out on behalf of him and saying, because I'm your son and because I'm your daughter, 
And because your heart is, I'm capturing your heart and my heart, I feel compelled to show your love. And, you know, my power is so limited, but your power is so great. So empower me by your Holy Spirit. Do you see how that works? I've got something from you, and I want to share it in the context of love. And not just love, but you are a God of power. And so 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. Pause for one moment. The reason that he's saying this in this context to this group of people is most of these people grew up in a place where it was polytheistic and there were gods everywhere. And so these people are trying to ascertain so-and-so has this gift, so-and-so has this gift. And and what Paul is saying is, listen, there is one God and one Holy Spirit who is empowering you with these gifts. And you need to all realize that you all have the same boss. And one of the things he's trying to get them to do is play nicely together. Say, same team, same team. Don't compare. Encourage one another. Verse 7. Now to each one, talking about each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given... For the common good. The reason it says it that way is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is not given so you can feel good about yourself. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is not given to elevate one over the other. The manifestation or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is given for the good of everyone around you. It's a way to serve. Verse 8. There, to one there is given the Spirit and the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. In the scripture, what we're seeing is we are seeing that the Lord is generous with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to help folks see, like, you don't have to compete. There's not like a a zero-sum game when it comes to the empowerment of the Spirit, that God has plenty of empowerment and plenty of gifts for everyone, and that you shouldn't shouldn't compete for them, because that was an issue that they were having, but you should seek Him for them, because He desires to empower us. He's sitting on ready. And in this scripture, it's just starting to list off gifts. And basically what Paul is saying, there are a bunch of gifts. There are lots of gifts. And, um, and we are given permission at the end of 1 Corinthians 12. I encourage you this week, read 1 Corinthians 12 and then read 1 Corinthians 13. They go together really beautifully. He even gives them permission at the end of, of 1 Corinthians 12. Permission is not the right way to say it. An encouragement to seek the Lord for what it says is the greater gifts. And he basically says in the in Goochland talk, I want all y'all to prophesy. All y'all. Seek them. It's okay. Go for it. Then later on he's gonna he's gonna bait and switch them. He goes, But y'all need to love each other and not compete. Y'all need to love each other. But he's encouraging them, and the reason is is because This is the point where God is able to extend his kingdom in supernatural ways. And this is because because he can show his love 
and power to others through us in ways that we cannot do in our own strength and our own humanity. When I look at all of these gifts, one of the, the conclusions I've come to over just over the last few years, um, and I look at this laundry list of gifts, like things like um, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of miraculous powers, um, gifts of discerning of spirits and these kind of things. So I've looked at them. I, I see them as all in this family of prophetic gifts. And here's what I mean by that. When I say prophetic, I mean led, initiated, encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Practically speaking, if you've ever been praying for someone and you're praying for their healing and, and, and you feel this quickening of the Lord in you and you feel something rise up in you, that this, this level of, I, I just believe God's going to really do something. Do you realize that that's the Holy Spirit working in you? That there's a difference sometimes. You know, sometimes like we pray the prayer. It's like, Lord, I, I bless them. I, pr- I pray that you do. Sometimes we do the begging prayer. Oh, God, I pray that you would. Like, you know, that kind of begging. But sometimes you just feel this quickening or this kind of unction or this kind of like, I just, I just feel this faith rising up in me, this hope. Or um, you've been part of where somebody's been praying for you and somebody gives them the word of the Lord or something that speaks exactly to where you're at. That's that quickening of the Holy Spirit. I think the gifts of healing and miraculous powers and all of those... There is this, this, this living relationship that we have with the Lord and his Holy Spirit will bring unction in the moment and leading in the moment and a quickening in the moment. The reason I say that is because you don't have to make stuff up. Just pour the word in you. Seek after the Lord and say, God, use me. But really, practically say, see, um, speaking, we also have to say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm going to come back to that. I remember years ago, a lot of y'all probably aren't even aware that many years ago, Maxine Paragoy was um, diagnosed with cancer. And there was, a, I remember along the journey when we were just discovering that she was diagnosed with cancer, um, one of the interactions she had with the doctor was a real death sentence. If I remember correctly, they gave her six months to live, and they said, that's it. Maxine's sitting in here, by the way, so if you're wondering where the story's going. Um, now, y- y'all, last week I talked about, before we went into the Word, I talked about how sometimes you get punched in the face. Your faith gets a punch in the face, right? Like Mike Tyson says, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Well, my face was punched in the face when I got that report that she had six months to live. I was gutted. My heart was broken. And I called a good friend of mine, Pastor um, Dennis Lashney, who pastors Christian Life in, um, in Chester and Midlothian. Anyhow, um, I called him and I was sharing what I was going through and what I was feeling. And it was a good moment because it was a good brotherly moment of iron sharpens iron. And he just said to me, he said, Mike, he said, now is the time for you to just stand in faith and trust God. You need to stand in that place and be that right now. And when he said those words, it it helped me to kind of shake off all that I was feeling and going through. Not in a way that was insincere or just kind of like trying to rile myself up, but I realized like that's not what I need right now. I mean, yes, 
Obviously, I care and I love and that kind of thing. But right now, I just need to, to, to go in that place of faith. So I remember it was, I think it was that same day. I went over to Maxine's house, and it was me, Maxine, John, and Maxine's mom, Nita, were in John's great big living room that you could fit about four buffalo in. It's so big. We were sitting in there, and I remember sitting on the couch or sitting with them, and I just began to pray. Now, i got to admit to you, in that moment, I felt some pressure in the midst of all that because I'm the pastor, right? But I just said, you know what, God, sometimes when we recognize our own weakness in a moment, we, that kind of transparency with God, he'll just carry you through. And so I was honest with the Lord, and I said, here, my heart is broken. I, I, I feel punched in the face, but I'm going to go, and I'm going to sincerely pray. And I'm going to pray not that Maxine will die nicely. I'm going to pray for her healing. So I went and I began to pray and I prayed earnestly and I prayed sincerely and I prayed asking for the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when I finished praying, Maxine lifted up her head and she said, I had a vision. And I saw God taking pieces of cancer off of my stomach until it was all gone. And she looked at me and she looked at every, all of us in the room. She goes, I know he's going to heal me. And God healed Maxine. She went through some treatments, but that death sentence turned into a life sentence. And she is with us and whole and well. And our God is a healer. Amen? Amen? I want to share that story with you this morning because I wanted you to to see the role of the Holy Spirit when we are praying. We're not just like picking up the bat phone and trying to make sure that someone picks up in heaven. The Holy Spirit is with you and the Holy Spirit will lead you and you pour your, his word into you and he will give you what to pray and he will inspire you and he will put faith in you and let faith rise up in you. And if you're in that place where you don't have that faith and you're in that place where you're struggling to believe, it's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to be sincere with him. But know this, God wants, you to, wants to bring you to that place of faith and sincere trust in him. I'm not talking about the la la, just trying to convince myself of something. I'm talking about that kind of sincereness that says, God, this is how I feel and this is how I think. But Lord, I come and I bring my mind and my heart and my spirit to you. And I may give permission for you to influence my spirit and influence my mind and give me a way to think that is led by your Holy Spirit. Because God's Holy Spirit, the thoughts of God, the empowerment of the Lord, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this really simple thought. He sends out the 12. He sends out the 72 with authority. We'll talk that, about that some more next week. In your life, when you look at this 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you go, how do I, how do, I do that? It's really not more complicated than just allowing God to fill you with his Holy Spirit over and over again. And over again in your life. If we had another uh, 35 minutes of preaching here and not another service, you know, those kind of things, I would go through the book of Acts and I'd show you how people were getting filled and filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. I like to say, and other people like to say, the reason we need filled and filled and filled again is because we leak. Because we need it. You know, you have those days where you wake up and you're like, I don't even know if God is around me right now. 
I feel so carnal. But you just say, God, fill me and fill me and fill me again. I just give you, you, you permission to fill me with your Holy Spirit. See, the great thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is they are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If there's any blockade in your mind, if there's anything in your heart and mind that says, yeah, but I, you need to get that out of there. Because that's not how the Father sees you. He sees you through Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you are a believer in Jesus, you, you are not exempt from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, when you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, you would think that victory was the most mature church ever because of all the competition and weird stuff that was going on in this, in this church. The reality is, you can be a flat mess. He'll fill you with your, his Holy Spirit. Because he loves people and he loves you and wants to do work in this in this in the world around you. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And here's how we're going to close. You're going to have to give them a little bit of grace because they don't know what I'm about to say. Um, what I'd like you guys to do is I'd like you to just maybe take that last song and just jam, just play. And then, Brenda, if you feel led and when you feel led, you can sing something. Not sing, But we're just going to enter into the presence of God. So instead of singing a song, we're just going to have some music and worship, and Brenda may sing a little bit. But I just want to ask you, would you just worship the Lord with your own words and your own heart? And just honor him. And would you just say, God, I, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Just need the filling and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. I want faith to rise up in me. And God, whatever gifts of healing and miracles and empowerment, God, that you have, Lord, I just make myself. Would you make yourself a vessel for him today? A vessel to be used from him today? Thank you, Lord. worship you, Lord, we worship you, you are worthy, Lord, we worship you, you are worthy, Lord, so worthy, Lord, you are worthy, Lord,